Over a million people left the workforce last month, and 80% of them were women. 865,000. That's the number of women pushed out of the workforce in the United States last month. More than a million people gave up looking for work last month. And women left the workforce at four times the rate men did. losses to downshifting careers, women, particularly working mothers, are taking a significant hit to their finances during the pandemic. But one factor that could have an even longer-term impact, a disparity in promotions. Men have been far more likely than women to get a promotion or a pay raise during this pandemic. There's a thing called the mom penalty. Now the pandemic is piling on. As we've been hearing, 2020 was a banner year for women in the workforce. Economists have detected an unusual pattern in this pandemic recession. Previous recessions have hit working men the hardest, but early in the pandemic, this recession had a concentrated impact on women. In this episode of The Pie, how will COVID affect the gender asymmetries in the labor market? This is The Pie. Economists are always talking about the pie. How it grows and shrinks, how it's sliced, who gets the biggest share. And in this episode, we're talking about the pandemic recession for women. I'm Tess Vigland. And I'm Eduardo Porter. We've been invited to have this series of conversations with University of Chicago scholars and other experts. The Pie is a production of the University of Chicago's Becker Friedman Institute and WBEZ Chicago. Through most of this year, women have been hit harder. Why might that be? In all sectors, women were losing their job more than men. Eric Hurst, Distinguished Service Professor of Economics at Chicago Booth, has been taking a close look at the labor markets, using data from the payroll company ADP. Exiting from the labor force tends to be slightly higher for women during the middle parts of the recession. You know... July, August, September, October, November. To get deeper into the dynamics that might be driving some of the trends in the pandemic recession, particularly as we examine the impact on women, I spoke with two researchers. Heather Sarsons is an assistant professor of economics at Chicago Booth, and Jana Gellin is an assistant professor of economics at the Harris School. What's happened this year with women in the workforce has its roots in inequities and issues that have been there since time immemorial. Both of these scholars have unearthed evidence that puts numbers on those disparities and helps show all the subtle ways in which they're perpetuated. Heather Sarson's research has really dug into some of the dynamics in gender disparities. For example, she looked at academic research and picked apart credit examining what happens when men and women co-author research. And her study... It suggests that women are getting less credit for their papers that they co-author with men. There are big implications here. She followed the careers of academics who co-authored all of their work to see if there's a disparity in the likelihood of attaining tenure. If you take a man and a woman who both co-authored all their work, let's say, with, with another man... She found the probability of getting tenure for people who co-author all their work was 80% for men. Whereas for women, it's closer to 50%. So it's a pretty big gap. This kind of evidence of gender bias and its consequences also characterizes Yana Gellin's research. One study she co-authored looked at those informational interviews that both male and female college students go through during job searches. 
Are women getting the same information as men? Are they getting a different sense? It turns out these conversations about future careers are quite different. Women hear a lot about work-life balance relative to men, like twice as much, actually. And here's what that potentially means for women's future career paths. Women are substantially more likely to be dissuaded from their preferred career path compared to men. Clearly, the expectations and biases surrounding women can have major effects on their place in the labor force. And this year offered yet more data to provide insights into those ongoing dynamics. 2020 was a year of extremes, and I think the role of women in the workplace is really a case in point here. You know, on one hand, we have the first female vice president in the nation's history, some ceiling glass shattered there. But on the other, women have lost jobs at a faster pace than men. They've left jobs because of childcare issues during the pandemic. What do both of those broad indicators tell you about kind of where we are right now on the arc of women in the labor market? How bad has this been for working women in particular? Yana? Yeah, so all signs kind of point to young women with children having to take on a lot of the additional childcare duties that come with having your kids suddenly not in school. You know, there have been some effects measured kind of on academics, and I think a lot of surveys show that women are bearing the brunt of Zoom time with children. Yeah. And the question kind of is, is this like a a short run thing or once you step out of the labor force or work half time for a year, does that have long term impacts? And I think we have to wait to see, but I think people suspect that there will be long term impacts. Heather, thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. I think kind of what this has shown is that we haven't really advanced to the point where there is an equal burden of childcare, that it's both men and women who are taking care of kids. And I think part of this is an artifact of the fact that in the past, women might be a little bit less advanced, I guess, in their careers if they've had to take time out of the workforce for childcare in the past. And so I've heard a lot of stories and anecdotes just of when people have said, okay, the kids are at home, they have to do school at home now, who's going to be the one to take care of the kids? If the woman is a year or so less advanced in her career because, you know, for childbearing and so on, she had to take time out of the labor market, then they kind of came to the decision that, well, it makes sense that because she's kind of less advanced, she, she'll be the one to leave. And so I think this is going to kind of compound on itself. And like Yana said, we'll see whether there are kind of longer term ramifications of this. I mean, the one thing that people mention as a potential trade-off is that, you know, we are moving towards models maybe of firms having more work from home, even, you know, in management consulting, maybe they're going to try models where they continue to kind of be virtual, for example. So where all the travel required would have been kind of an insurmountable obstacle for women who want to spend a lot of time with their kids, maybe now they can go into those careers. I I'm guessing that that's not going to be enough to kind of overcome this like big effect of having time off. But I think that it's it's possible, you know, that there's a little bit of a bright side for women potentially <laughs> if we have a lot more um, flexible work schedules as a result of this mm. pandemic. After the break, more evidence of how gender bias works. We'll dig into some research looking at surgeons. homeschool teacher. God, I'm at home, but Lord, ain't no teaching going on around here. 
Shout out to all the teachers. Okay, because I can't friggin' do it. We are back with more of the pie. This year really upended the choices of many working families. Parents lost their jobs, their kids lost school. The Zoom classroom is a new reality of family life. And we've been talking about the gender gap in this pandemic. Part of that is the degree to which these aren't just individual decisions. Families are navigating the financial impacts on their own, but that all forms larger trends. So along those lines, I spoke with Heather Sarsons about her research showing the ways that professional women, in this case surgeons, are not seen as individuals, but rather as part of a class. And any negative outcomes in the workplace then reflect on other women. Heather, you've also studied the role of gender in whether an employee is given a second chance after making a mistake. And for this, we move to the medical field. Tell us about how you tracked the process of doctors referring patients to surgeons and what that told you about inequities on the career ladder. Yeah, in that project, I I was looking at medical referrals from doctors to surgeons. And because there's data that has high frequency referrals, you can look at how uh, a doctor's view of a surgeon changes after there's a good or a bad patient outcome. A bad outcome being like a patient death, a good outcome being this patient was very sick and then ended up doing quite well. So for example, I'm referring a patient to you, the patient doesn't do well, do I continue to refer to you or do I stop and refer to someone else instead? And I kind of make the assumption that these referrals basically track what a doctor thinks about a surgeon's ability. And so you see that after one of these bad events, doctors refer less to the, the surgeon who performed the surgery, regardless of gender. But there's a bigger penalty for women than for men. So referrals to the female surgeon drop by a larger amount than referrals to the male surgeon. But to me, the, really the most alarming aspect of what you found was that there is a spillover effect. Yeah, and so you see that if a doctor has a bad experience with one female surgeon, then that doctor is less likely to refer to other female surgeons in the future in a way that's not true of, of men. And so it suggests that in this particular setting, women are maybe thought of as kind of a, a group and, you know, the actions of one reflect the ability of many, whereas men are thought of more as individuals. And, you know, if this guy makes a mistake, it doesn't reflect on another guy's capabilities. Did it matter whether the referring doctor was a man or a woman? Uh, no, it didn't. So both both male and female referring doctors react in the same way, which we, we often do see that, that men and women are equally likely to hold some kind of biased behavior toward women. So when we look at the specifics of, of both of your work, it seems to me that what we're seeing is that the smallest of factors can affect women long term. You know, whether it's in those initial conversations in college or having a negative outcome in the surgical ward. And now we add on top of all of that a global pandemic. Maybe it's not surprising that women's careers are really bearing the brunt of the pandemic recession. Yeah, I think it's this motherhood thing that seems to be a real division of labor difference between men and women. And we've made some strides, I think, narrowed the pay gap a little. And then something like this kind of sets us back a few years in terms of women advancing their career to the extent that men are when they have children. 
a lot of research is that, you know, motherhood is when there are big differences in the behavior of men and women. And then the worry is kind of that, well, not all women. And and what about women before they have children? So I think a lot of this is going to be even more extreme after we see that there are a lot of women who are taking a lot of time to take care of their children, you know, is the employer going to assume that like all women are doing that? Is he going to avoid hiring women or she? Is he or she? See? <laughs> is he or yeah. she going to avoid hiring women because they might have, you know, children at home who, who need a lot of uh, time? So I think these kinds of worries are things that we'll have to see on. But, but I think that there's been a lot of spillover kind of onto all women from the things that happen around the time that you have children. And that's kind of like a process that exaggerates itself, you know. So if you're not going to be advanced anyway, then you might as well invest in child rearing rather than your career. I mean, that's that's potentially reversing decades of progress in the workplace for women. Like Yana said earlier, I guess we can see whether kind of shifts toward more flexible work and so on kind of offset this to some degree. But yeah, I think this has been a huge negative shock to women's progress in the labor market. There was a brief period of time when I thought, you know, because both parents are staying at home now, maybe in some cases, people's kind of gender norms or gender views will shift a little bit because they'll see, you know, how tough it is to have to take care of kids and so on. But it seemed like it just kind of went further in the direction of of women staying home and men going back to work. Any theories, ideas on why that is? Because I, I think that would have made sense. But I think part of it could be the fact that if people have kids, it's very likely that the woman has taken more time out of the labor force in the past. And so if if the man is closer to a promotion or something like that, maybe you just evaluate and say, you're further in your career than I am. And so you go back to work and I stay at home. So I think this could be due to existing gender imbalances. I mean, it's also like a time of economic strain for a lot of households. And you just have this fact that men are, I mean, it's true that men earn more than women on average. And within a couple, that's true, too. So you're making that decision that the major breadwinner needs to stay at work. You can't afford not to make that decision in some cases, probably. Exactly. You touched on this a little bit, but I wonder if we could go a little bit further into some of the long-term effects of all these women both losing jobs and dropping out of the job market. What does that mean both for their careers and for the economy at large? Heather? I guess it depends on, you know, is it easy to go back to the labor market when this hopefully all ends? But I think what it means is that this kind of gender gap that we already see is going to be much larger. Yana, what are your thoughts on a, on a rebound and how women do that versus men? How, how much farther back are they in that process at this point? <laughs> yeah, I think it's so hard. I think, you know, economists are really, really, really bad at making predictions. So <laughs> let me do I'm a asking really you bad anyway. job of making predictions. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think that, that another issue and another thing that I, uh, I observe with myself and with people around me, so this isn't, you know, research by any means, but I think that, that one thing that happens when you stay home with your kids is that you realize that, you know, it's not so bad. It's kind of fun. They're kind of cool. (laughs) And so for some households, you might step back and then find yourself in a place where your tastes have changed. And like, you know, it's kind of hard to go back to the job market or to go back to your old employer and be like, hey, I'm back. You know, do you still have a job for me? You know, and you're kind of in a new equilibrium, I guess, where, you know, you're like, oh, it's not so bad to be a stay at home mom. 
and not as bad as I thought it would be. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to go back to the job search. So maybe I won't do that. So I don't know. I think that there's kind of some some habit formation in terms of what you're doing. And so this might have pushed a lot of people to experiment with that whole stay at home thing. And just because it's hard to go back to looking for a job after you've been out for a while, you might not do it for a long time. That's my prediction that actually a lot of people will just kind of be okay with this new lifestyle. Not everyone, but plenty of people. And we'll see a lot of women will have left the labor force permanently, not necessarily because an employer wouldn't be willing to take them back, but in part because that's what they want to do. And that's fine. I think the real problem with it is what, what it will mean when we have like a large mass of women doing that for, you know, the women who don't want to do that. That's always kind of the worry. I think that, you know, most economists or most people don't don't have a problem with any individual making their decisions. I think the thing that you worry about is the fact that a lot of times people are what we call statistically discriminating. And so they're kind of looking at the group overall, just like in Heather's paper, and assuming that the individual will behave like that in the future. Right. So, I mean, that that could be quite a profound shift where we go from almost two decades now, I think, of, of lean in to potentially a pandemic-caused lean out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. I think we don't know how long this is going to last. Is it going to be all of next year too that we're doing remote schooling? Hopefully not. But I think that, you know, the time out really matters and there's a lot of research that shows that. So we'll have a test of a lot of these theories, but I think that what you would predict from a lot of what we've seen before is that this will have set us back a little bit. This recession has been unique. In the past, recessions mostly hurt industries that employ lots of men, like manufacturing and construction. The downturn in the spring, by contrast, really hit service industries, hotels and restaurants that employ lots of women. How will those industries rebound? And how will working mothers cope with the additional job of mothering in a time of remote schooling? In the most recent data, you know, it seems to have been a convergence between men and women through December in terms of their employment loss propensity relative to to February. And as the year ends with massive COVID spikes across the country and renewed restrictions shut down part of the economy again, another question is how long any nascent recovery can last. On the next episode of The Pie, we're going to talk about how market power might be affecting the American economy. Is the rise of technological behemoths like Facebook and Google actually harming our economic performance? So Eduardo, that will be our first episode of 2021. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to having 2020 in the rearview mirror. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Tess. The Pie is a production of WBEZ Chicago and the Becker Friedman Institute for Economics at the University of Chicago. This episode was produced by Dana Bialik. We are produced and mixed by Story Mechanics. Our theme and all original music in this series is by Story Mechanics. Our executive producer is Ellen Horn. I'm Eduardo Porter. And I'm Tess Vigland.